0: So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR. R-A-Z-O-R.
1: Hello, hockey fans. I'm Paul Bruno here with Andrew Fiorentino, and we are The Great Ones, presented by RotoWire. It's September 27, and even though it may be Sunday, we're not here to talk about football. Instead, as we will be all season long, we're going to give you that extra edge to get you over the top in your fantasy hockey leagues. I'm excited, as always, to be with you, Andrew. Same here, Paul. Let's talk some hockey today we will begin by turning the tables on my partner andrew this is our preview of the metropolitan division so please explain how in the hell does a philadelphia area resident become a rangers fan you're behind enemy lines aren't you
2: i sure am and if you look outside in philadelphia right now with the pope preparations it kind of looks like the movie behind enemy lines it's a war zone out there (laughs) Really? you don't even know the half of it But as for the Rangers, you know, I inherited my sports fandom from my dad. Hi, Dad. He's a Brooklyn native, a lifelong Mets, Jets, and Rangers fan. He may live in the Philly area now, but his loyalties have not shifted, and neither of mine.
1: Good for you guys. I love to hear that loyalty lasts forever in the Fiorentino household. Okay, well, let's get into it and talk about the teams in the Metropolitan Division. First up, we're going to go in alphabetical order for our listeners, a look at the Carolina Hurricanes. I want to know what you think about the prospects for Eric Stahl, given his contract expiring this season. How will things play out for him and possibly impact his brother and teammate Jordan?
2: I used to be one of Eric's biggest fans. You know, I had him back in his rookie year for those 100 points. Man, that was glorious. But he's really fallen off significantly over the last two years. Last year was the first time we really saw his role reduced. Ice time down, power play time down. And the experiment with him on the left wing with Jordan at center on the top line was a failure. You know, as much as you might like the concept of these brothers skating together, Jordan's not a top liner at this point. And I think he actually dragged Eric down with him. The Hurricanes want to see an Eric Stahl bounce back, they're gonna need someone else. they're really looking at Victor Rask here to step up and seize that first-line center role. We saw some good things from Rask last year. And at 22 years old, he could be primed for a breakout. Who are you looking at? Are you an Elias Lindholm guy?
1: Well, I am, but I want to talk about Eric Stahl. He's got an expiring contract this year, big dollars. And I think we're going to see his name bandied about at the trade deadline. The end of the road looks to be very near for him in Carolina. And he may be better served, and the franchise may be better served by moving him to another team and getting some younger prospects for him. That window of opportunity to win again with Eric seems to be by the boards on a team that's rebuilding or should be rebuilding. Skinner is a guy that needs to find his uh, rookie form again. He's really fallen off, and I just wonder if it's a matter of confidence or quality line mates in his case. But the name that we'll all be watching in Carolina uniform and colors is Elias Lindholm. This guy's 20 years old, and I project him to be a a 20-goal-plus scorer this season, building off a solid full season in the bigs last year, and uh, he had some good tutoring in the AHL. All of that should combine to give this guy a real good upward tick in his uh, scoring totals this year. Yeah, I I
2: do like Lindholm, and I I really like Skinner, but he is coming off a bad season, and he needs to improve his game-to-game consistency, make better shooting decisions, and stop just disappearing the way that he does. You know, you look last year, I think he had an abnormally low shooting percentage. He's still taking a lot of shots on goal, only scored 18 goals. I think you're going to see a rebound there. But I may just be overly optimistic as as a fantasy owner.
1: Well, as a fantasy owner, this is one of those teams that I generally put a big X through. I don't see a lot of depth here, but I think there's a couple of intriguing names on the blue line that we need to talk about. Justin Falk, James Wisniewski those guys are two proven power play quarterbacks in this league and I just wonder how they're going to split time or maybe will they work together and then in in reserve they got John Michael Lyles who I got a close-up look here in Toronto for a while he's a very heady hockey player as well so that's a trio of experienced hands on the blue line and then they've got Ryan Murphy on the blue line as well who's a young prospect they've been waiting on for a couple of years who may be the best of the lot a little small in stature But he had a fantastic junior career, so that's a quartet of very interesting names on the blue line that may cause some fantasy owners to take a look here. I think there's a lot better options around the league, but we've got to talk about each team, so I'll throw it back to you (laughs) and let me know what you think about this team's blue line.
2: First of all, if we can talk about one player that I really, really hate in fantasy (laughs) is John Michael Lyles. I own this guy. I've been playing fantasy hockey for a long time. I was on board for the early successes. I had the 40-plus point seasons from Lyles, but I also had him when he crashed and burned and just ruined rosters for me. Uh, this guy is a black hole in fantasy, and at this point, a, a third-pairing kind of power play specialist defenseman for the Hurricanes. But I do love Justin Falk. I think that he's one of the most underrated young stars in the game. Uh, you know, When you talk about the top offensive defenseman in the league, Falk maybe not in that discussion yet, but I think after this year, he's going to be. You look at Wisniewski, over the hill, I think. Injury prone, he's always getting hurt. Is a plus-minus disaster almost every year. I'm not a guy I'm going to be targeting. But I do like the addition of a guy to solidify the play behind them, and that's Eddie Lack. We've got Lack coming in here, seizing the starting gig. I don't think Cam Ward is much in the way of competition. What do you think about that?
1: Well, I think Cam Ward's held the fort long enough here, and they need a change into the guard back there. And he's another guy who's got an expiring contract. And a team that may be dealing with a goaltending injury later in the season that's a contender should be looking in his direction. And that's the time where Carolina's management needs to pounce to get rid of him and get some quality reserves back in exchange for that deal. Eddie Lack is a guy that's going to hold the fort here for the next generation of the Carolina Hurricanes development plans and full value to him in that regard. I think this guy's got a lot going for him, and he's going to be a goalie that we talk about in fantasy for years to come. I like the fact that he had some good partners in the early part of his career and learned probably a heck of a lot from the guys that he's played with, and he's got a great pedigree. I think that he's going to be a guy that will solidify things in, in a big way in Carolina. Let's move on to the Columbus Blue Jackets. This is a team that I think has to be underrated by some people, and maybe unfortunately so for them, because they suffered through an incredible rash of injuries last year, Andrew, the likes of which I haven't seen one team deal with in a long, long time. I really like... What about the Penguins? (laughs) Well, I I know. We can get to them, and we will later on in the show. This is a a division that has two very injury-ravaged teams uh, last season that hope for much better things this season. I really like the offensive makeup of this particular roster. You know where I'm going. A number of big, very physical players like Nick Foligno, Ryan Johansson, a newly-focused David Clarkson, hoping to make amends for a lost season in Toronto, and a guy you've got to see in Philly for years, Scott Hartnell. I'm a big big fan of Scott Hartnell in fantasy he's the guy that puts up points and gets a lot of penalty minutes plays the power play he's a fantasy stud that I always look for as a second tier ad in a number of my rosters and I'll be doing the same thing this year your thoughts Andrew on this uh, Columbus Blue Jackets club Hartnell a very
2: underrated player and I think just a disaster something that we'll touch on later is that trade from the Flyers for <laughs> RJ Umberger but Brandon Saad I think is a spectacular addition to this team. One of the most exciting young players in the league. And the prospect of a top line with him, with Ryan Johansson, with Nick Foligno, who came out of nowhere last year to be just a a mega stud, should really strike fear into the hearts of the teams around the league. This is one of the most talented first lines, I think, in the whole NHL. They got got your boy David Clarkson, a major bust for the Leafs. I don't really see him making a whole lot in the way of positive strides forward as a Jacket. He's going to be best used as a bottom six guy and penalty killer. I think how healthy Brandon Dubinsky is going to really be a key for this team. He looked like he was really emerging as a scorer last season when he was on the ice. But injuries have always dogged Duby going back to his Ranger days because, you know, that's just the way he plays the game. It's always a 1,000 miles an hour and you just tend to get hurt playing that way.
1: Well, and you mentioned Dubinsky. He's a great distributor of the puck. They have a great one-two punch looks to me at center ice with Johansson Dubinsky solidifying the top two scoring lines here. And I agree with you. I think if he can stay healthy, he'll he'll be a guy that should be a fantasy stud this season. But what about their blue line? They have experienced puck movers in Jack Johnson and Fetter Toot. And I bought into the development of David Savard, who showed a positive offensive upside last year and rewarded me and a number of others who drafted him in fantasy or picked him up partway through the season. Who do you like? Any of the other names back there intrigue you?
2: I think uh, one of the most gifted players... From a purely physical standpoint on this roster is Ryan Murray, you know former number two overall pick But he's also uh, another guy who's been prone to injuries, and it's not just last year It's gone all the way back to his days in juniors. Just stay healthy kid. The good news is he's only 22 He has time to shake that label Meanwhile, they've got David Savard his breakout year last season was I think really key to solidifying the entire Columbus blue line I think he's gonna see his role in production grow even more this year as he really steps into the number one role for this team. He's already better than Jack Johnson. Looking a little deeper, I've been a long-time fan of Kevin Connaughton, really good player in the AHL, scored nine goals in 54 games for the Jackets last year, even though he was playing less than 17 minutes a game on the blue line. I'm not sure if he's gonna start out as anything more than the seventh defenseman on this team, but these guys are gonna get hurt. They have a lot of guys who get hurt on this team. He's gonna have his chances. Health is really the theme of this team. It's not just the blue line. Goes also in goal, Sergei Bobrovsky. This team is not going to make the playoffs if Curtis McElhenney has to start more than about 20 games in goal again.
1: Well, and you mentioned Bobrovsky. He is a guy who I rank among the top 10 goalies in hockey. 27 years of age, he should be coming into his prime, and I look for him to hang on to a heavy workload, and I would target him as a goalie that might be just a notch below the top the carry prices of the world and your boy Lundquist who we'll talk about a little bit later but certainly Bobrovsky is nothing like a booby prize in this case he's a guy that I think could get upwards of 35 wins if he stays healthy and pile up some shutouts and the goals against average should be there on this a pretty solid team top to bottom fantasy owners out there target this guy if you can and you'll be handsomely rewarded I'm, I'm pretty sure We've got to move over to the next team, and I think they'll be competing with my Leafs in terms of a struggling franchise, Andrew. The New Jersey Devils, I'll let you lead off here, but I think there's not a whole heck of a lot to talk about in terms of good, positive contributors. Another team that I put a big X through, how long can we be talking about a Patrick Eliash and a Mike Camillary? He is a natural goal scorer, but he too is getting up in age. And beyond that, it's a lot of Band-Aids and hockey tape that is holding this team together.
2: Devils are, in two words... A fantasy wasteland. <laughs> Camilleri is a nice little player, but he's no one's first liner. Travis Zajac is a train wreck. Adam Henrique doesn't look like he's going to turn into anything more than what he already is with those 25 goals from two years ago, looking like a major outlier in terms of shooting percentage. Eliash, deep into the decline phase, already hurting with a knee injury right now. You can't count on him for more than a 60-ish games and 30-ish points at this point. If there's any hope... In New Jersey it's that Kyle Palmieri can develop into a legit top liner after he really never got a shot in Anaheim but even if he does I can't see this team scoring a lot or winning a lot another guy I like kinda is Sergei Kalinan they brought in from the KHL but you know he's a wild card maybe some potential there maybe starts the season in the AHL the jury's still out you really don't know what you're gonna get
1: and what about their blue line the veteran presence of Andy Green And Adam Larson is another guy that I look to as a possible contributor. It looks like they might be counting on this duo to generate a lot of the offense or at least start it up. They're two very good puck movers. They should both be around the 30-point mark. That puts them into like a third tier in terms of puck-moving defensemen around the league that you can be targeting. And that's where I focus any of my energy looking at this club, those two players right there. Severson is a guy who showed well, and Eric Jelena is another guy that rounds out four offensively capable I'll say defenders but none of them really excite me to the point where I'll be saying oh you must target them if any I would say Andy Green is the guy again Andrew I'll throw to you to see if you disagree or agree with me on any of those four assessments but uh, I don't see any of them reaching the 10 goal mark certainly this season
2: as far as Andy Green as far as I'm concerned you might as well not even bother (laughs) boy we're writing off a lot of players today (laughs) Well, we've got players to write off. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Fantasy-wise, these guys, I mean, it's a train wreck. It's really bad in New Jersey right now. I do like Jelena. He offers a little bit of upside, but his two-way game, I think, is rather suspect. He was a lot less productive last year than he was the year before. The team context just has him in a bad position. I think the Severson is the most intriguing one among them. Personally, I'm a big fan of defensemen who shoot the puck a lot. He shot it 93 times, just 51 games as a rookie last year. I think that's promising. You know, you get a full season out of him. Maybe you get 160, 170, 180 shots. That's a guy who maybe has a chance to approach that 10-goal mark, but I don't think that there's a whole lot to see beyond that. You know, it's a shame because we're going to see a lot of Corey Schneider in goal. He played 69 games last year. should be right around that again this year. And it's just a horrible shame that Schneider's best years are going to waste in Jersey, where he's playing out of his mind and the team is just awful
1: and schneider will have to play out of his mind but i say he's not a guy that you overlook in fantasy just because of the number of games that he's going to start and he can win just a shade less than half if he plays 60 games 65 games he'll get you pretty close to the 30 win mark and he's a guy who's capable of winning four or five games on his own he may come up with that number of shutouts as well so if shutouts are a rewarding part of your fantasy pool setup you can't overlook a guy like him because he can steal a game or two just like that, playing lights out from time to time. But again, because of the team that he plays on, a second-tier guy when you're ranking the goalies around the league. Well, we're going to stay around the New York, New Jersey area and very near to talking about your Rangers, but you got to hold your breath for one more team. That's the New York Islanders, who are up next. This used to be known as a team solely built around John Tavares and a bunch of nobodies in terms of fantasy relevance. That's changing more recently, and you can now include names like Kyle Pozo, Ryan Strom, and Anders Lee, who had a breakout season last year. And I talk about them as the guys that are forming a pretty good nucleus on the Isles around Tavares, not just going to be known as John Tavares' team, but this is a team that really made strides in the NHL. But they still hang on to a couple of guys that I really think are suspect. Mikhail Grabowski, for instance, this guy's just a fantasy killer. You hope for this guy to sustain his October performance every year. He starts out of the gate on fire, and then he fails to match that October performance in the next five months of the NHL season. I don't think I'm touching this guy at all, and there's a lot of other options. Nikolai Kuleman falls into the same boat for me. I think the ex-least factor is not working out for the Islanders in these two cases, but they have a whole raft of other players who I think can be relevant in fantasy, and uh, Franz Nielsen is another guy who I didn't mention. Uh, most important to me is uh, looking at the Tavares and Ocpozo combination, Andrew. Which winger do you think is going to get that prime position, and what do you think about the rest of this offense? I think you have to
2: consider Brock Nelson the front runner there. He's still got plenty of upside, and after the Isles signed him up to a three-year deal uh, just about ten days ago, he's going to have every chance to win that role. And you have to think that, that there's a big scoring spike coming if he can stay on that line assignment all year long. But I do love Lee. Looked like a budding star at Notre Dame and has done absolutely nothing to change that opinion his first few years of pro hockey. He's big and strong just the way you like it, and he's a nose for the net. Ryan Sturm, too, I think is going to be a real hot shot in this league. And the combo with him and with Lee and Franz Nielsen on the second line gives the Isles great balance with a line that can not
1: only score, but, but they can get back their own defense, too. And that's a pretty stout defense. We will remind our listeners that last season, the club made two great trades on the eve of opening night with the additions of Nick Letty and Johnny Boychuk, who immediately went to the top of the depth chart on this blue line and delivered the goods that were expected of them and more. And they, I, I think, had as much to do with the success the Islanders enjoyed in making the playoffs as anybody on this team, except for maybe John Tavares. That's how important these guys were to the club last year. And I think they're just going to reprise that role this season. Another guy that I like here is Travis Hominuk. This guy is a guy who's a fantasy stud. If you got to in- include penalty minutes, this is a guy who will deliver 100 of them. Travis Hominuk is a guy that I really like on this team. And I project him to approach the 10 goal mark this season and he played a lot of power play time on this group last year and he'll reward those poolies who are in such leagues that reward penalty minutes as well he's one of the tough guys on this team that will drop the mitts and should get over 100 penalty minutes he's a 20 minute player on a team that's rising in the ranks in this conference and should not be overlooked beyond the top two guys on the blue line what about the others and what about these guys that we've mentioned so far
2: You know, it isn't often that you see a 30-year-old defenseman like Johnny Boychuk suddenly become way more involved on the offensive end, but that's exactly what happened last year. This guy pretty much never saw power play time as a Bruin, never was an offensive producer, but the Isles handed him top-pairing minutes, and he took off. But he did flag toward the end of the season, only 10 points in the last 33 games. Even though he does shoot a lot, and I do like that, I still somehow have a really hard time seeing him as an offensive-type defenseman. I feel like last year's 35 points are really about the best case from what you can expect with Boychuk. You know, Hamanick does give you a well rounded fantasy line, but not too exciting to me. I'll let you draft him in any leagues that we happen to participate in. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dials did bring in my old fantasy friend Marek Zedlicki to solidify the back end. I do think he's got something left in the tank still, even though he's 38 years old. But it seems like he's going to have a hard time finding his way into a whole lot of minutes outside the power play. So he's going to need to get it done there. The one guy I really think fantasy owners should be looking out for is Ryan Pullock. 19 years old last year, he scored 17 goals from the blue line in the AHL. I think he's going to be a fast riser this season, a guy to target in keeper formats for sure. But I do think the Isles defenders are going to need a lot more help from Yaro Halak this year. He sure won a ton of games last season, but it was mostly the offense that stole him, not Halak's spectacular goaltending, although he was really great for stretches. Thomas Grice behind him, just a journeyman at this point, but a solid backup. They're not really losing anything there. What do you think of Halak? Do you think that he's going to replicate last year?
1: Well, I think that he got all the tools in front of him to make that so. I see a bit of a spike in his goals against average, so I don't think he can keep it down in the 2.4 range that he had last season. But he's a guy that will also get you a fair share of shutouts, and anytime you can get a, go- a goalie who has 35-plus wins and a handful of shutouts, that puts him in a top-tier discussion for me, and if you you might be able to sneak, sneak him in when other people are targeting some uh, bigger names, again, like the ones I mentioned earlier. This is not a bad choice if you're looking for a guy who's at the tail end of what I call my top 15 options in goal. Halak is a very good choice. He should play upwards of 60 games again. He's in the prime of his career, in my estimation, as a 30-year-old. Now, we got a change of pace here, Andrew. we got an opportunity to plug something that we haven't done in the first one-and-a-half episodes. We actually have a sponsor. McKeen's Hockey has been scouting and profiling
2: NHL players for over 20 years. McKean's provides the most comprehensive fantasy overview available with a three-month subscription to McKean'sHockey.com for only $9.99 Canadian, which includes a wealth of information, insight, and predictions. McKean's ranks the top 475 skaters and top 50 goaltenders, along with the top 30 Calder candidates, the top 300 NHL prospects, and a listing of breakouts and hidden gems based on their predictions. There are insightful feature articles from leading hockey writers and other premiums for subscribers, including exclusive articles and a Roto-Wire newsfeed on all players. You can download a 156-page PDF of the magazine, all of the predictions, and much more from the site. If you're serious about winning your fantasy hockey league, you can't afford to miss this essential resource for less than 10 bucks.
1: Beautiful. And we thank McKeens for jumping on board and supporting us in, uh, in this endeavor. Uh, I've taken a look at the magazine. I'm very impressed by the depth that they've gone to, almost unprecedented in fantasy magazine circles. So we're very happy to have them aboard. Now we come to your team, the Rangers, Andrew. And uh, in my opinion, they're loaded top to bottom. I'm a big fan of Rick Nash, who's perhaps the NHL's prototypical power forward. As you might guess, I would be a fan of that guy, and he had a big, big season for this team. I'm going to let you go off on this. Try to keep the drilling to a minimum, though.
2: Shouldn't we be saving the best for last? (laughs) All right. Rick Nash. If he could just stop disappearing for stretches of time in the playoffs, that'd be great. Obviously, a spectacular goal scorer, but it is troubling how Nash can just vanish. And then all of a sudden, he becomes like this first line defensive specialist. And well, I'm not looking for you to be left wing Franz Nielsen, Rick Nash, I'm looking for you to be Rick Nash. Just be that guy. So you're going to see him on the top line this year with Derek Stepan at center. Chris Kreider is going to be on the left wing. I'm really looking to Kreider to have a growth season this year. I think the big scoring spike is coming for him. And that's going to be real key for the Rangers. But one guy I really love here is on the second line behind him, and that's Kevin Hayes. When he got the chance last season, Hayes looked like a legit star in the making. I really like the move to left wing for him since the Rangers are so deep down the middle. He wasn't going to get top six time at center with Stepan and Brassard in the fold. I think the top six role is going to yield huge dividends for Hayes. He's going to be over 50 points, maybe more. And his line with Matt Sucrell and Derek Brassard is more of a 1A than just a second line.
1: That's an excellent point. You know, the 1-2 the in terms of the centers on this team reminds me of the 1-2 they have in Boston. They're two excellent distributors of the puck in Stepan and Broussard. Broussard's starting to finally look like a first-round pick that he was, obviously, in the draft, and he's starting to finally play like it. He's a guy they both should be in the mid-60s in terms of total points this season, and if you have a chance to draft those guys later in the draft, you'll be very handsomely rewarded and pretty happy that you did that move as well. A guy that intrigues me, Emerson Edom. This is a guy that they brought in this season to add a little bit of size, physicality, and might he challenge for a top six role, Andrew, or do you think that this guy's just a third liner in, in your opinion?
2: I really do like Edom. In a former first round draft pick by the Ducks. He's really performable in the AHL just two years ago, 54 points in 50 games at the AHL level for Norfolk. I was kind of sad when they got him because they traded a guy who I really like in Carl Hagelin. I think Hagelin is a money player, a really great, essential part of this Rangers team, but... Edom does bring a lot of the same characteristics and more offensive upside. That said, I think it's going to be really hard for him to find his way into the top six unless they have some injuries.
1: But he's a big physical player, and they have a lot of speed guys in there, so it's a nice offset, I think. Let's look at the defense that includes a number of offensively capable guys, and then another couple of guys that are going to handle the defensive rules, penalty killing, that sort of thing. Ryan McDonough as emerging as one of the top puck-moving players, top power play specialists in the league. But they've added a couple of veterans in the last couple of years and in Boyle and Yandel, who are going to eat into his time as power play quarterback. Perhaps they work in tandem with him. How do you see that playing out? And then you throw in a guy like Kevin Klein into a pretty good offensive quartet. The guys that are going to handle the defensive side are the familiar names of Jan Girardi and Mr. Stahl on the other side, Mark Stahl, big physical player who will be the shutdown pairing in troublesome defensive situations. But give me a read on the offensive upside of the four guys that I mentioned, and what do you expect in terms of the power play setup on the blue line there?
2: You know, I think Boyle, obviously the guy's on the downside of his career. He's 39 years old. He really faded last season, only 20 points in 65 games, only 8 power play points, even though he was averaging 3.5 minutes on the power play per game. I think you're going to see a significantly reduced power play role for Boyle this year. You're going to see a lot more of Yandel, a lot more of McDonough, and, and that's going to be the key for the Rangers. Yandel, I think, within a full offseason, a full training camp to get comfortable on Broadway, I think is going to be huge. The Rangers need to find some consistency on the power play, and, and Yandel and McDonough are really going to be the keys. If you want to look a little deeper, if you play in leagues that count hits and penalty minutes, they've got former first-round pick Dylan McArath. Now this is a big, tough guy. I know your fave, yep. he's pushing to make this team. He might start out as a seventh defenseman, but he's a big, tough defender who can clear the crease in front of Henrik Lundqvist and offers some fantasy potential in those kind of specialty formats.
1: And let's talk about the king in goal. Can he remain in the top tier of goalies? He's got to play more than the 46 games that he played last year. I'm concerned about the fact that he broke down uh, to that extent and uh, left 34 starts on the table. To remain among the top tier goalies, he has to do better than that. And uh, what can you tell me about uh, your opinion on his backup, Antti Ranta, who has another Stanley Cup ring after backing up in Chicago. He's going to be able to speak the same language, more or less, with uh, the Scandinavian (laughs) background. And I wonder if there's going to be a greater comfort level for these two guys working together there. But uh, can Lundqvist reach the 40-game win mark and remain as a top-tier goalie, in your opinion? Try to be objective here and, uh, again, keep the drooling to a minimum.
2: Listen, the only reason that Henrik played in just 46 games last year is that he had a freak injury. He took a puck to the neck, had a a weird situation where he couldn't play because of that. I have zero concerns there. I don't think he's going to take another puck to the neck. It's highly unlikely. Uh, You're going to get your normal Henrik Lundqvist workload this year barring some sort of other freak injury. He's been a and goal for them. He's going to continue to be a and goal for at least the next few years. Zero concerns.
1: Man, I got wet over that one. You, you, <laughs> got, it all, you got it all over me. <laughs> uh, you can stop gushing now. Let's turn our attention to your neck of the woods, the Philadelphia Flyers. They have a dynamic duo of Claude Giroux and Jakub Voracek. I love these guys in fantasy. I have Giroux in the Rotowire Holdover League again this year as a cornerstone of my team but they don't have the same offensive depth that they had a few years ago when we could rhyme off seven or eight guys off the top of our heads who were going to be high picks in fantasy sure they still have wayne simmons a big guy who gets his points on in a, in a second line scoring situation and Braden shen former first round pick can also hit the score sheet regularly but who are you looking at to play the top line plum assignment along with Giroux and voracek I know that third party is also going to get some power play time. So I'd love to hear what you think about that. Can we can we just keep talking about the Rangers? I feel
2: like we haven't talked about the Rangers enough yet. <laughs> Maybe this should just be a Rangers podcast. You know, I'll leave that one to you by yourself. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but in all seriousness, the Flyers—they they have a gaping hole left wing, and you know it looks right now like Michael Roffle is going to get the first shot there. But I think ultimately the best move is to put Braden Shen out there. I think Shen is not the greatest center. I think he fits really well on that left wing role and that lets Sean Couturier move up and center the second line. If not, if they really insist on keeping Shen at center, having him center the second line. the One guy I really like among the left wings is Sam Gagné they just picked up. He's currently skating here in the preseason on the third line with noted disasters Vincent LeCavalier and RJ Umberger, but I don't see that group staying together long term. LeCavalier is just awful now. He has not aged gracefully and Umberger. Well, we mentioned that Hartnell trade, and God, was it a disaster. Umberger was awful last year. He's a depth-line player at this point, and it would surprise me to see any of those three guys really consistently stick on even on the third line for this team.
1: Well, you know what? I've had a laugh watching the Flyers from a distance. Some of the roster moves they've made in the last 10 years in their goaltending situation, and then the LeCavalier pickup and the Umberger one, two disasters in my opinion. In fact, LeCavalier should become the first two-time buyout casualty in NHL history. What about... Do they even give a trophy out for that? <laughs> they should. They called they should call it the Vinnie LeCavalier Memorial Award, I think. <laughs> 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 what about that Flyers blue line? Strait, Mark Streit, getting an awfully long in the tooth. They did find a, a bit of a diamond in the rough. And Michael Delzado, who rediscovered his offensive groove last season and had some long stretches of offensive productivity, manning the blue line power play specialist role... Then they went overseas to the KHL, bringing in Yevgeny Medvedev, an experienced hand, who has an interesting story in his background. He should be a guy who fits into the top four blue liners here at the age of 33. But boy, that sounds like a bit of grasping at straws. They should have been able to develop some younger players. Maybe you can tell me a little bit about what you think about this blue line and if there is a young player that we should be looking at there.
2: You know, Straight might be getting old. But his play hasn't lagged at all. Even on a bad Flyers team last year, 52 points from the blue line. Really nice production. They did bring in Medvedev. He doesn't seem like he has a lot of fantasy upside. He only picked up, I think it was 16 points in the KHL last year. But he could go a long way towards solidifying the back end for them. They didn't play good defense last year. And if Medvedev just gives them good defense on the blue line, I think that's going to be all they can possibly ask for. But I think the guy that's really an interesting get for this team was Rodko Gudis. It's a guy that they picked up from the Lightning. Big, not as big as you'd like. Maybe he's only I think a uh, six foot. Yeah. But he's he's solidly built. Twenty five years old, a real tough guy. Perfect fit for the Flyers mentality. Right. They're still all over that whole Broad Street Bullies thing, and he's right in that mold but also with a little bit of offensive upside. I think the fans are going to love the guy as long as he can stay healthy.
1: Yeah, he's got fan favor written all all over him. What about the goalie tandem here? They've got Steve Mason, who solidified the goaltending. I don't think you could say solidify the Flyers goaltending for the last 20 years, but this is a guy who seems to have done the job coming into this season. He he did suffer a bit of an injury that curtailed the numbers last season but he still recorded 18 wins three shutouts he should be able to do much better than that I see this guy capable of playing 60 plus games he may even be a guy who battles for Vezina trophy recognition that's how good I think oh, those are strong words I think this guy could be could be that guy I think it hinges on the continuing offensive support and certainly a defensive structure built around some of that toughness that that you've indicated with Gudas and company back there I look for this guy to really contend for a top 10 ranking amongst goaltenders at the end of the season. Michael Neuverth back as a, as a backup, brings stability should Mason falter. I know you reacted with a bit of surprise. I feel strongly about Mason's potential, and I wonder what your slant is there as well.
2: I do like Mason. He had a lot of trouble staying healthy last year. I think that's going to be the key. You know, he was kind of in and out of the lineup. But addition by subtraction, bringing in Michael Neuwirth instead of Ray Emery. I think almost anyone would be better than Ray Emery. He was a horror show when Mason was out of the lineup last year. And Neuver should bring some more security to that backup role if Mason does need to miss time and, or needs a break. I uh, do think Mason is a good goalie. He put up some big-time numbers last year, put up 928 save percentage. If they can score some goals for him, they can make moves.
1: Well, let's move on to a team that's cross-state, the Pittsburgh Penguins. In our previous show, we talked about the impact of that Phil Kessel trade leaving Toronto for Greener Pastures in Steeltown, USA. It looks like he's going to get the assignment with Sidney Crosby on the top unit, while Evgeny Malk will pair with another pure goal scorer in the form of Patrick Hornquist. That's two dynamic duos on this roster who should really light it up. In fact, Kessel and Crosby are doing great in the preseason, as we've seen in the early returns. Who do you like to fill the remaining wing positions on these two scoring lines?
2: Well, first, I just want to say that I think the kessel move was a great fit a brilliant trade by the penguins if you thought kessel was good with tyler bozak feeding him the puck just wait till the nhl's greatest distributor in crosby starts finding him open 50 goals not out of the question at all and that sort of production could elevate crosby himself back to the 100 point mark after he flagged to just 84 last year art ross not out of the question i'm also really intrigued by sergey plotnikov from russia he could start out in a bottom six role, but I'm seeing him as a riser in this left wing mix, which has a lot of uncertainty to it. They've got Chris Kunitz, as you sort of hinted, maybe Sidney Crosby's left wing. I don't know. His game really faded last year. They brought in David Perron. He's a guy who might factor into that mix. They've got Pascal Dupuy back from injury. He's a guy who's going to factor in Perron and Dupuy, both injury prone. I think there's going to be a chance for Plotnikov to move up, especially... If he can play alongside of guinea malkin his russian countryman who was apparently key in bringing him to the states and wordquist has kind of melted into the background but he's a sleeper here he would have easily had his first 60 point year last season if health permitted but of course that's the deal on this team right everyone everyone on this team it seemed like got banged up last year and a lot of them seem to have chronic injuries where you can't feel good about them staying healthy all season.
1: And I'm going to circle back to one of the names you mentioned, Pascal Dupuis. This guy had a horrible turn of injury luck last season, but he has played on the wing left side with Sidney Crosby for two seasons. Before that, they have an uncanny way of finding each other on the ice. I've had the opportunity to see these guys up close and personal the way they have the great on-ice chemistry, and the defensive responsibility that this guy brings to that unit shouldn't be overlooked. And that's particularly a bit of a knock on Phil Kessel, who will see his goalie at the beginning of the game, tap his pads, and never show (laughs) up at the defensive end again. So you've got to find a guy who's going to really hold the defensive fort on that unit, because Sidney Crosby not noted for his defensive coverage as well. So I think they may sacrifice a little bit of offense in that particular situation. And I think you can look for the same thing on the second unit with Malkin and Hornquist but there are a number of names from which you can pull them out of the hat. You mentioned them all. That plum assignment should be something that people keep an eye on in fantasy and should be able to pick up uh, in the early uh, free agent processes there. Let's look at the blue line here. I think this is the big question mark on this team. It relates to the ultimate outcome for this regular season and postseason in my opinion. Chris Letang again coming off a year and a half of horrible serious health issues. This guy had a stroke, for heaven's sakes. That doesn't happen every day in hockey circles. These guys are all reasonably physically fit, but you can never account for the old ticker, and it took him out of circulation for a long time. Failing that, this guy has the pedigree. He's done it year after year to be one of the top 10 defensemen in the scoring lists every season. But the Penguins are also looking for the development of Oli Mata and Derek Pouliot, two guys right around the 20 year of age mark, full of youth but also full of potential these three look like a lock to run the offense here for years particularly should letang be healthy but do they look good enough for you to become a centerpiece to a, what should be odds-on uh, one of the top teams in this conference i do like these defensemen chris letang when healthy
2: the only defenseman that you can say is a, a greater offensive force is eric carlson there's no one else chris letang is a superstar but he cannot stay on the ice last year he played 69 games that was a big year for him that was the first time he played that many games since the 2010-2011 season and that's i think the big issue there with Latang. and then you've got mana coming off an injury a couple of injuries last year he had some some serious problems the shoulder injury as well as cancer and so you're looking at him to come back and play a full season But you don't know what you're going to get, and that's the problem with this Pittsburgh team is that you go down the defenseman list, and if Latang goes down, if Mata goes down, you're left with the likes of Ian Cole and Ben
1: Lovejoy playing serious top four minutes, and that's not something you want to happen. I'll throw in Tim Erickson into that lowly group, as you suggest, and that's why I say... Andrew, this is a team that really, their ultimate success will not hinge on the ability to outscore opposition. They've got to get something from some of these blue liners to to offset that. And of course, we can't forget about mentioning Mark andre Fleury, who, if you re- think about this guy's playoff performance, you might not rate him among the top goalies of the NHL anymore. But boy, he's chalked up season after season of excellent totals in the Nets. And I'm hoping that in my leagues, people lean more on what he's done in the playoffs and forget just how good he's been take last season this guy had 34 wins he had 10 shutouts not many goalies did that even your fave Lundquist but that's a function of <laughs> game games played I want to get a shot in or two I'm not gonna be able to get too many shots in on you uh, all season with the Rangers so there was one but to me flurried merits discussion as a top 10 guy 30 years of age played a lot year after year after year but on this team should rack up the wins and again Is shutouts.
2: You know, Fleury actually, for once, played well in the playoffs last season. The Rangers did polish the Penguins off in five games, but Fleury had a 927 save percentage in that time. It was not his fault. They had Evgeny Malkin playing with a back injury. He was a shadow of himself. The Rangers were able to shut down Crosby for the most part. It was not, for once, Marc-Andre Fleury's fault that the Penguins washed out of the playoffs. That said, I wanted to go back and touch quickly on Derek Pouliot. This is the guy whose upside I really like from the blue line. I think he's going to see serious power play time and really have a breakout year, especially if Mata or Latang happen to suffer injuries.
1: I will second that. I think Pouliot's a guy who has all the tools, size, good shot, skating ability. Should be there as one of the trio that will get power play time. That's an excellent notion to bring up for our fantasy listeners. We're going to wind it up with the uh, eighth team of this division, a team that I think will battle your Rangers for top spot all season long, and that's the Washington Capitals. I want to give a shout-out to Barry Trotz, a ton of credit for infusing the Caps roster with a desire to incorporate a defensive structure without sacrificing too much offense here last year and there is considerable offense in this roster there's no mystery about their top line in my opinion now that they've traded for TJ Oshie he gets the top assignment along with Ovi and Nick Backstrom no doubt about it in my mind and Oshie will be a guy who adds a lot of finesse to a line that should contend for the top trio in the NHL that's as much as I expect from this group I wonder who fits in behind them on the second line I'm curious to hear what you think about my view on this top line will it be one of the top in the NHL and what about the rest of maybe second line depth Evgeny Kuznetsov was a top world junior and in his third year as a pro a guy that I have a real bullseye on I think he could take the next step and solidify a second scoring unit but there's a lot more to talk about here
2: yeah, Kuznetsov is going to get a chance to play on the first line with Ovechkin and Oshie with Nick Backstrom still coming back from his hip surgery. He's supposed to miss maybe 5-10 games at the beginning of the season with that injury. That's going to give Kuznetsov a real chance to start on his breakout, and I do think this is going to be a big-time breakout year for the 23-year-old Russian. We've got another Russian on his left side and Andrei Burakovsky playing that left wing alongside Kuznetsov once Backstrom returns former first round pick. This team has done a great job mining talent from Russia. A lot of teams shy away from that Russian factor. The Caps have no fear and that is paying big time dividends for them with Ovechkin with Burakovsky with Kuznetsov. But I do have a little bit of concern. They brought in Justin Williams from LA, a proven playoff performer, but you got to get through the regular season first. And Williams is a little bit of a weak second line right wing at 33 years old. You know, only a 40-some point player over the last two seasons. You're looking for more than that alongside Kuznetsov and Burakoski on that second line. And I don't know if they really have that guy. You know, they've got Tom Wilson. He's kind of a more of a tough guy, a guy who's going to mix it up, pick up a lot of penalty minutes, uh, grinder. They've got Michael Latta, got a little bit of a taste uh, last year and the year before, but he hasn't shown a whole lot in terms of offense. Although he did score a little bit down in the ECHL, but... It's hard to see a lot of that ECHL production translating at the NHL level. So that's an issue there. I think that second line right wing is a place that they're going to need to find a guy.
1: One other name that I'm going to throw out is Marcus Johansson. This guy's been a depth player and a really quality source of secondary scoring here for years, right around the 20-goal mark the last couple of seasons. I project him for at least that this year. He'll get power play time as well. And if you're looking for a guy near the end of the draft, this guy certainly will not hurt you offensively. I think he could threaten the 50-point mark just as he did last season, and that's excellent pickup late in the draft. You look at the top teams with the most depth and fill in your roster with a guy like this. He's a young man, 24 years old, still should have his better years ahead of him. I just like the fact that he fits into the mold of a team here that has tons of offense, and he can be plugged in on any of the top two units and maybe be a centerpiece on a third scoring line, which is an absolute luxury on this team and in this division. And then we'll turn our attention to the defense, which is also similarly deep. Carlson has been a guy that has been making steady progress. John Carlson, steady progress toward the top echelon in puck movers with offensive upside. He had 55 points last season. If he replicates that, any fantasy owner that that grabs him should be thrilled with the production. But he's not the only guy on this blue line that, that is capable. Matt Niskanen is a guy that kind of a second tier offensive puck mover who should be getting a regular turn, maybe on the second power play unit. What about the rest of the depth here? And then I'll let you take over the goalies and uh, bring us home with the predictions for the division.
2: One place that I think the Capitals are lacking is that blue line depth. I like Carlson a lot, but in terms of scoring, there's almost no one else who's really going to carry the load here. Matt Niskanen, major disappointment in his first season in Washington. You know, he's still only 28 years old. You can look to him for a bounce back after he slumped to 31 points from 46 the year before. Other than that, there's not a lot to like here from a fantasy perspective. you got Brooks Orpik and Carl Alsner, Dmitry Orlov, all very defensively oriented defensemen to this point in their careers. Let's move on to the goalies. <laughs> well, and
1: Braden Holtby. That's a, that's a guy that I thought would be the extreme beneficiary of Barry Trott's system, and he proved me right, and he helped me win a couple of pools last year. I, I loaded up on Holtby wherever I could get him yeah and, uh, big Holtby fan yeah 41 wins 10 overtime ties and nine shutouts that's a lot of points in in the goalie categories 222 goals against average and I think he should be right around all those numbers again this year this is a very good team offensively they've bought into the defensive structure and that's a very tough combination to play against and Holtby brought it last year he won as many games as any other player on this team in the regular season and playoffs almost single-handedly in a number of outings in the playoffs and as I mentioned those nine shutouts look awfully good in that column when you compare them to some of the other goalies that are out there in the NHL you can't expect him to get maybe nine or ten again this year maybe he falls off a couple but still a guy that should be in the right around that 40 win mark love this guy and I could go on forever about him just, absolutely just because of this circumstance and this situation but we have to close up the show Andrew with our predictions it's prediction time now try and be objective and uh, i'll let you lead off what do you think it's going to be one through eight in this division well we know we know the rangers are going to
2: win all right the rangers (laughs) are going to win the division that's a fact the rangers are going to win the division everyone knows it maybe they don't know it yet they're going to find out the rangers are going to win the division stop
1: it (laughs) we got seven
2: more teams we got to wind her up second place will be the rangers again (laughs) you got to pick another team (laughs) <laughs> All right, third place. Let's go for the Rangers. No, okay. <laughs> All right, no. I like Washington for second place in the division. I think Braden Holpe is a stud. They're going to get Baxter back healthy. They're going to score their goals. I don't think they're going to miss Mike Green. I like Pittsburgh finish third. I think it's hard to pick the Penguins to finish any lower than that. It's, it's already hard to pick I'm them gonna to do it. third. I'm going to do it. I know you are, <laughs> and I'm going to let you. But first, I'm going to pick them to finish third. I'm going to have the Islanders fourth. I think that there's going to be a huge logjam. I think the Rangers, the Caps... The Islanders, the Pens are all going to be separated by only a few points. Uh, it's going to be a battle right down to the end that the Rangers will win. <laughs> Again with the Rangers. Then on the bottom end, you know, I think we feel very similarly more, more or less here. I like the Jackets for fifth place and then the Flyers, the Hurricanes, and then the Devils to finish last and be the third worst team in the NHL this season.
1: Uh, well, I'm going to concur with you A number one and number two. The Rangers and Caps, I think it'll be a great horse race, but the Rangers nip them at the wire. I like the overall depth here, and the edge, as we've implied, is I think the depth on defense that the Rangers have unequaled almost in the entire Eastern Conference, to be sure. I pick the Islanders to be third in this division, continuing their upward trajectory in the NHL. I think they've got depth at each position, and there's a lot to like about this team. They'll be three of the top seven or eight teams in the NHL. I'll make that prediction pittsburgh penguins a bit of a drop below that i think they're going to suffer for the fact they don't have defensive depth to match the top three teams in this division and uh, the columbus blue jackets some of their fans might be disappointed with a fifth place call from me this is a team that will be a strong fifth place team they may get the second wild card if the other uh, atlantic division falters a little bit in that regard they'll be in that race the last three teams all the flyers the devils and the hurricanes Three of the teams that will be at the bottom end of the standings, particularly the Devils and the Hurricanes, who will be in contention for the lottery picks in the draft next season, along with my Maple Leafs. I'll say that out loud, Andrew, and hope that we get the lottery balls falling in my favor this time around. So that wraps it up for me. I don't know if you want to have a closing word, but I'll throw it to you for a sec, and then we'll wind her up.
2: My closing word is Rangers.
1: I knew that was coming, so I thought I'd feed it to you. So that about does it. With this preview show number two in the books, this is Paul Bruno on behalf of Andrew Fiorentino. We are the great ones, and we invite you to join us again for our next show when we'll preview the NHL's Central Division. So long, everybody.
0: This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.